Before we begin, a note of warning. The language used and the topics explored in this podcast are not suitable for listeners younger than 18. Your discretion is advised. From the Spade and Archer Studios, welcome to Behind the Yard Sign, the podcast that pulls back the curtain to reveal the real world of real estate with your hosts, Justin M. Reardon and Amy Romberg. Amy Romberg, I'm so glad to see you. I wish everyone would greet me with a song. (laughs) I don't think everybody feels the same way about me. I called somebody the other day for their birthday and I left him a voicemail and I feel like my singing might leave some room for improvement. (laughs) (laughs) There's just not a good singer at all, but I feel like it does make people feel a little special when you sing their name. So And it makes them laugh. It's a delightful approach. (laughs) Uh, Today is July 15th. It's the day after Bastille Day. So I think this Mm -hmm. is like post-Bastille hangover day. (laughs) And yesterday I shot a text message and I said, hey, I scored a reservation for October 2nd at this cool restaurant. Want to go? So we are right back into pre-COVID. Like I'm literally scheduling reservations three months out. This is ridiculous. It is. Everybody's out again. I feel like the couple of times I've been out now, it's just like, I do feel like there's this awkward sense of none of us really quite knowing how to behave in public anymore, but I think we're getting there. Do you hug? Do you touch elbows? Like, is there like a full on makeout session? Like, what are you supposed to do? I don't. I'm not sure. Yes. Speaking of which, so we've got coming on the show in the next segment, James Campbell with Cobalt Banker Bain in Capitol Hill. I had the opportunity to meet him last week for the first time in person. I was at his office teaching this class on buyer psychology. Ooh, which, I want to know more about that. I can tell you all about it. So uh, we spend a lot of time in the real estate profession thinking of both of our buyers and our sellers that are our clients. And they're not. They really are not. The only person who is a client in this entire industry is buyers. They're the only ones who are bringing Mm -hmm. money to the table. They're the only ones who are going to make the transaction actually happen. All of the rest of us, from the buyer's agent to the seller's agent to the seller to the home stager to the janitorial crew to the landscapers, we are all working together to sell a product of this house. And the buyer is the only one who's actually going to buy it. So all of us need to keep in mind what our buyers are feeling as they walk through houses. And so this entire class is geared towards that. And it all revolves around this comment of like, of all the people in the world who might buy this house, you are not one of them. And and speaking to your seller. And I say that line a lot. It's very harsh, but it also really snaps people awake and gives them to understand that like, oh, I'm not going to buy this house. The fact that I love Rainbow Bright and hippopotamuses doesn't mean anything because my buyer might (sighs) not. And to us, the buyer theoretical. So I have such a good quick antidote. I did a listing consultation yesterday and I love these folks. They actually live in my neighborhood. He drives a hearse. He is uh, wonderfully interested in sort of Halloween, Day of the Dead, all of that stuff. And so there's one room in their house that is painted deep, dark, red, brown. And I I went into this listing consultation thinking, how is this going to go? Like, how am I going to be able to say to him that not everybody has you your taste. And anyway, it went beautifully. He was hysterical about the whole thing. By the end, he was pointing out all the things in the house related to his particular love, scary, creepy things that he was he knew he had to take down. So yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, just a absolutely. funny side note. <laughs> we, we had a, a goth couple. They yes. had painted, one of the rooms in their house was painted to look like raw steak. It was like red <laughs> with white marbling through it. Like it was literally raw that steak That is room. amazing. <laughs> and unfortunately, this particular couple, they were like, 
like, do you have any idea how long it took us to do that? I'm like, I'm sure it took you a long time. But honey, I don't love you enough to lie to you and tell you that it's going to sell your house. (laughs) I want you to sell your house. And so really, I mean, that one line of all the people in the world who might buy this house, you are not one of them. That really just drives it home. In this class, Buyer Psychology, we talk about, number one, we got to bring in the light. We have to bring in as much light as possible. Walmart did this study. They didn't even do a study. It was actually kind of a fluke. They were building one of their stores and they had decided during this iteration of the stores they're going to put skylights throughout the entire thing to bring natural light into the space. Well, they started installing the skylights in the back half of the store and about halfway through construction, they were over budget. They had to VE or value engineer. They had to reduce the budget. So they decided to take the skylights out of the front half of the store so that when the, by the time it was done, only the back half of the store had skylights. The front half of the store did not. And typically in retail, the front half of the store outsells the back half of the store by about a third. So if you mm-hmm. sell a hundred shirts in the back half of the store, you would sell 130 shirts if that department was up front. And what they found in this particular store is that the back half of the store outsold the front half of the store by double <laughs> consistently all time. And the only difference was natural light. There are so many folks who are absolutely in love with their draperies, their Venetian yeah. blinds, their plantation shutters. Um, a Venetian blind blocks 50% of the light that comes into the course of the day. A plantation shutter blocks 75% of the light that comes into the course of the day. Draperies will block 10 to 15%. Just think of it in terms of like buying. If you yeah. reduce your light intake by 15%, you're reducing your buyers by 15%. So mm-hmm. reduce your sale price by 15%. Light is the absolute number one most important thing that we have to have these houses privacy doesn't matter no one's going to take off their shirt or their pants while they are looking at this house they will not do that until they move in and they say oh man the neighbor can see right into my bathroom now i need to put up draperies but when you're buying all you're really looking at is like does my house have light that's it second thing is um as people are walking through this houses we want to make sure that we don't do anything fake fakery is is a really big one in that if we put pretend stuff in these houses as people are walking through they start to realize that this isn't pretend. We want people to say two things when they walk into the house. Number one, I have no idea who lives here. Number two, mm-hmm. it needs to be me. If we can get them to think that this is a real person's life, then mm-hmm. we are going to get them to buy this. On that same note, territory markers are really, really bad. So we talk about the idea of a lot of home stages will say, um, you need to depersonalize the space. We don't want you to depersonalize it. It should look warm and personal and inviting. We just don't want to tell the story about the seller's lives. So if, if the story of the seller's lives is we're going through a divorce and like half the closet is empty, that's a problem. That's a bad juju space. Or if you're walking through and there's like pictures on the staircase and you're like, oh, my daughter is on the same soccer team as their son. And suddenly you feel like a very welcomed guest in somebody else's home. That is not the feeling that we want. We want them to feel like they are a homeowner. So we do, we go so far as we don't even write welcome on the welcome mats because that's what you say to a guest. We want them to feel like they own this place already. If they are emotionally invested, they will put an offer on this sucker. And so taking away any of those traces of like, what is this person's life like? So no personal calendars, no trophies, no family photographs, no prescription medications. That's another one because they'll get stolen all the time. The bathroom is the one place where... No toothbrush. No toothbrush. So gross. Your toothbrush, not gross to you. Somebody else's toothbrush, so gross. Yeah, (laughs) because the first thing you think is like, oh, what if that was in my mouth? Oh, we had talked about that. I think we talked about it one day, um, like where sellers take showers in their house right before it goes on. And when you walk into the bathroom, you get that weird, wet body smell that like touches your face. I was just in a house and thought of, yep, absolutely. 
Yes, it's really odd. We really do not want that at all. Mm -hmm. The last thing is emotionally evocative items. So when we're looking for a house originally, we we are thinking with the logical side of our brain. There are two different types of thought processes that we go through. There's the logical side, there's the emotional side. The logical side is very slow. The emotional side is very fast. And so if you see a lion, the emotional side of your brain goes, lion, it's going to eat me, run away. And then three or four half a milliseconds later, Later, the logical sign of your brain says the lion is actually in a cage. It can't hurt me. I'm okay here. And so the logical sign of your brain is more correct, but slower. But the emotional side of your brain is faster. And so sometimes it doesn't matter which one is correct. Sometimes it matters which one is faster. So when you're walking through a house, first thing we do is we think logically. We type into the Google. We say we want three bedrooms, two bathrooms, Irvington, $600,000. Good luck with that. Um, <laughs> and so then you, then you jump in the car and you type in the address you drive down there and the second you pull up to the curb and you open up the door, the logical side of your brain turns off and you go straight emotion. Because we decide if we're going to buy or not buy a house in seven to nine minutes. That's faster than we buy a pair of jeans. Yeah, it's real fast. So these are all emotional thoughts. You already know it has the right number of bedrooms. You already know it has the right number of bathrooms. You already know it's the right square footage. You know it's the right price for you. So all those logical things are out the door. And so as you're walking through, if any of your emotional energy is turned away from that house itself, we're in danger. And so emotional things can be things like alcohol bottles. If you were raised with an alcoholic or you're Seventh-day Adventist or Islamic or Muslim and you don't drink or or Mormon and and, and alcohol is like a big old no-no for you, having alcohol inside of a house can be a giant emotional detractor away from a house. So you're saying the staging with the wine bottle and the two glasses, not always oh. a good way to go. No, even worse, like I, like I've always, I always love it when they put the wine bottle next to the bathtub. Like you might as well just put the razor blade there too. Like that just speaks to depression to me. Like why, why do yes. we have the wine bottle next to the bathtub? It's so tacky. Alcohol Alcohol's a big one. Nobody's ever going to walk into your house and say, oh my gosh, they drink Chablis, so do I. Let's buy this house. Things with fur. So taxidermy is highly emotional. Going back to that whole goth thing, I'm sure he probably had some taxidermy in his house, right? I am a huge fan of things that are both creepy and beautiful. Raises huge emotional things for people. The same thing goes for anything that is is alive that has fur as well. So cats and dogs. There are as many people who love cats and dogs who are afraid of and or allergic to cats or dogs. And so having those signs out that there's a cat or dog there, like especially the smell of a cat or a dog, really emotionally evocative, really going to get to people and be like, oh, I don't want to have this house. And you know what? Like the smell of your dog, you don't mind that. The smell of somebody else's dog, it's like it's a toothbrush. terrible. It's gross. <laughs> so gross. You know, because you love your dog. You don't love somebody yeah. else's dog. Religious symbols. When you are Christian and you see a cross, you're like, oh, Jesus. And when you are not Christian and you see a cross, you're like, oh, Jesus. It is the same exact words, but either one positive or negative, they're emotional. The thing that we're not talking about is the house. And that's yeah. bad. The last one is political effects. So it could be yeah. anything that separates us into a team of us versus them. So if it's a saddle Seahawks poster or Make America Great Again hat or an Obama book, it could be any one of those things. If it separates us in teams of us or them, we don't know if they are an us or a them or how well we did last night. Did we lose the election? Did we miss the, what is it, field goal? I'm showing my gay roots. I don't know what the (laughs) sports ball terms. Yeah. Did we miss the field goal? Did we score? Did we win? Are we suddenly talking about the game last night instead of about this house House. we're supposed to be looking at? 
So the real dangers here are not about being politically correct. This is not what we're talking about at all. This is about driving emotional energy and attention towards the house. We want them to put the energy towards the house, not towards anything else. And the thing that is very scary about emotional decision making is that it is very fast and it can only concentrate on one thing at a time. You can either think about your sick mom or you can think about the cheesecake that you want to eat, but you cannot think about both of them at the same time. Have you been laying in bed trying to solve an emotional problem that you had during the day? And how good are you going to sleep at that point? Can't do both at the same time is what you're saying. You can't. You can only (laughs) do one. You can either concentrate on going to sleep or you can try to solve that problem. And that's Mm -hmm. where those emotional energies lie. That's all about our buyer psychology. Wow, that is so much food for thought right there. (laughs) If you ever want to take that class, we can certainly get it scheduled before you just reach out to us you'll find us now so that was a class i just did with james should i go back and grab him because i heard that there are like some stars back there it's starting the to sound right rowdy back there i feel like we should definitely go get him there is like a whole tiktok contingent <laughs> that showed up and we just had a nordic track installed so who knows uh, we'll what's go happening. see what happens yeah let's okay I'll, I'll see you in just a second okay okay Amy, I would love to introduce you to my good buddy, James Campbell with Coldwell Banker Bain. James, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing this morning? So good. Great to meet you. I hope that you enjoyed the green room. There's always something going on back there. You know, the green room was awesome. I got my steps in on the Nordic track this morning. That was We just got that installed. (laughs) It was awesome. I've been trying to hit my goal every day and I've already done it. So thank you. One thing off your to-do list. We are happy to help with that. I heard Olivia Rodrigo was going to stop by today and a couple of TikTok stars did did you get to meet Addison Ray and Vinny Hacker? They were teaching me how to do the TikTok stuff. And I feel like I have to go back in there because I'm just, I'm a slow learner when it comes to that. So, you know, yeah, it was a great time. Guy's the limit. I feel like the green room might be better than the actual recording of the podcast. <laughs> 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 so, um, James, we've gotten to work together on a couple of projects yeah. as of recent. And I was like, so what, we've done like, what, 17 projects together? And I think you were like, no, we've done two so far, right? How long have you been doing real estate? Well, let's just say 17 so we can will it into happening. <laughs> oh, yes. So, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all about speaking things into existence. I've been in real estate for less than a year. I started in October 2020, mid-pandemic. You know, I always get to know people who are kind of our five percenters, like our 5% worst clients, our 5% best clients. And I reached out to James because everybody in our subtle offices kept talking to me like our warehouse people were like oh you love James Campbell James Campbell's so nice well they'll work with James Campbell James Campbell I met James Campbell and I like I kept hearing his name over and over and over again and I was like I need to meet this person this is one of our five percenters and it's so rare usually they're talking about all the worst people they're like oh god that lady she's driving me crazy or that guy's the worst but when you get to meet somebody who's actually really nice and like just getting started tell us about your journey like how did you get into real estate first I think it's important to tell the audience how much I paid you to say that um <laughs> So, <laughs> Let's just get it all out on the table. It was a very tight hug. It was uncomfortably long. I yes. took a loan out from Olivia Rodrigo, and that was uh, super complimentary. Thank you so much. Skipping forward now, I realized that I didn't choose real estate. Real estate chose me after looking mm. back. Grew up in Ellensburg, Washington, super small town. I grew up at the base of the foothills, like acres and acres away from other kids. So I spent a lot of time on my own, just kind of wandering through like the 
countryside on my bike, looking at properties, looking at fields. Like it sounds like really kind of boring, but I, I was so inspired by the landscape and just different people. Like what, what brings you out here? You know, and going through school, going through different jobs, I realized that I had so many different interests, art, history, architecture, all of these things. And I, and I really kind of struggled for a while trying to find my niche, you know, trying to find the place where I, I thrive. I left Ellensburg when I was 20 after, you know, I just didn't, wasn't sure what I wanted to do in school. I know that I wanted more exposure to just different things. So I moved to Seattle. I worked in customer service for quite a while. I worked with the Four Seasons Hotel, Ethan Stoll restaurants while working on my BA in communications and marketing at the University of Washington. So I was busy. It was a lot of fun though. I was local restaurants, you know, going to the University of Washington. It was a big goal of mine. And then after that, I took my degree to a couple cubicles, one for a temp contract job at Amazon. I thought, "Mm, maybe not. And so I took it to REI and also thought, you know, it's not quite my jam here. Like I just got kind of pigeonholed into doing one thing, which was fine. I learned a lot from that, but I wanted so much more. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm just cursed by my own curiosities. And then come to find out, not that this was a good thing, but having more time on my hands when the whole world shut down, finally started, (laughs) I started looking more into real estate, you know, local parks were closed, trails were closed, so you couldn't really do much of anything. So I hit the pavement, started looking at yard signs, you know, started looking at yard arms and real estate agents that were representing amazing homes. And I found like all of these things, it just like a light bulb went off, all of these things said, oh my God. Like, okay, you can be involved in numbers and data and architecture and customer service, all of this stuff in real estate. So I started working on my license. A lot of friends were telling me the whole time you should get into real estate. And I don't know why. I think I just found excuses of being too busy to do the licensing. So once I had done that, I thought, okay, I had kind of already done my homework with where I wanted to go because I had been kind of traipsing all about Seattle, looking at different listings from different companies and different brokers. So that's what led me to real estate. And it sounds like you did a lot of of looking behind the yard sign that you told me that you, you had landed at Cobalt Banker Bain because you already knew you wanted to go there. Like there wasn't even a question of where you're going to go because the time you got to that point, you'd already done so much research. What was the thing about Cold Banker Bain, specifically in Capitol Hill, that drew your attention? It'd be hard to say just one thing. I think it was a lot of things. So I have friends who work at different companies throughout Seattle, and close friends will tell you the honest truth about what it's like working at those companies, and you kind of hear things that might work for you and things that might not. But what drew me to Coldwell Banker Bain was their marketing. They had a reputation for education. It also felt like they had a community feel. Like, they really lifted up the agents that work for them and also the community. I kept seeing their name everywhere. After speaking to other friends who work at different companies, I got connected to Todd Shively at the Capitol Hill office. And after like probably a minute and a half of talking to him, <laughs> it was like totally solidified. Yeah, he's one of our alumni on Behind the Yard Sign. I think he was our second guest ever, mm-hmm. one of my very close personal friends. And yeah. there's something just like magnetic about that guy. You talk to him mm-hmm. and you're like, I want to be on your team, please. <laughs> exactly. Like he mentioned 
mentioned that he had bought a property recently and I was like, how many bedrooms are in there? Can I stay once in a while? Like, I just want to spend as much time with you as possible. So just one of those folks that you like want to be around just to absorb their energy and their knowledge. And he sounds amazing. Exactly. And James, I love this idea of you just like, I have this picture of you just wandering the streets of Seattle, you know, when everything's kind of quiet and shut down and you're just like mm-hmm. wandering around having this realization that, wait, maybe this is the direction that I want to go. It was exactly that. I had time to connect with friends and family. I think a lot of us did. Yeah. I took time to call them and spend over an hour on the phone with them, you know, talking to them about, okay, well, with this time, is there anything that you want to do? Yeah. You know, I mean, with this time, is there something that I should do? Because I was in customer service and everything customer service oriented, if you weren't working either at Costco or Whole Foods or QFC was effectively, or a a hardware store was effectively shut down. So I thought, well, maybe who knows how long this is going to go on for. Looking back, I wish that we had recorded those conversations. We could do an entire podcast just called COVID conversations of people like talking to them. Because like, I mean, there was some deep stuff going on during that time. Yeah. So if you were to take any class, like as a newer agent, if you were to take any class on anything in real estate, what would be your number one thing? You're like, this is what I would really love to learn about. I kind of scanned what classes already exist and I've taken all of them and some of them twice <laughs> because I feel like you just, you're always learning. There's always something to know and there's there's more classes. Of course, there are more classes that I haven't taken yet, which is just continued education. However, there's not a class for how to organize your business. That is one thing and everyone runs their business differently. Yeah. So that's very, it's a very personal thing. When you start working in real estate, it's like, I what matrix, what Northwest MLS, what, you know, there's all these platforms that you have to learn how to use where they belong and where they belong in the process. Mm-hmm. And not only that, it's, you know, doing your own accounting, being hyper organized with your schedule and all of that. You know, it sounds really obvious. Of course, you have to organize that. But I think it like a real estate license should come with like a pocket life coach. Like, <laughs> hey, don't forget about this. Add this to your calendar. All of those things. It's so easy to to just be like, yep, great, I'll be there and not plug it into your calendar. And and with that like little pocket life coach, I feel like they should also like be a therapist because real <laughs> estate, not for me, like to help me with others, real estate is very personal. Yes. You know, it's yes. very personal, yeah. you know, and sometimes things could be cruising along and the communications there. And then all of a sudden, you know, your client will feel the magnitude of the decision that they are about to make or involved in. And there's so many things going through their head. That's why it's so important for me to be really organized. James, I feel like you and I are, we should probably have a little side support group. So much of what you're saying (laughs) is totally resonating with me. And I have a question related to the fact that like, there is so much that comes in this first year, right? Where there's just like the drinking from the fire hose, right? There's just so much that we want to know, that we're expected to know, that we work to know. Multiple fire hoses. Yes, right? I know I periodically get totally overwhelmed. I'm like, how am I ever going to know all this? And I just have to sort of stop and slow down. And I'm curious what you do if you ever get that overwhelmed with just how much we don't know as new agents and Mm -hmm. what you do in those moments. This is totally a selfish question. (laughs) That's such a great question. Oh no, like they're all great because I believe in helping each other. I'm all about... I want your tricks. (laughs) Collaboration versus competition because I just want to help people, everyone that's involved. I believe that you get further by holding the hands of others instead of just trying to run forward on your own. Like I have a notebook 
mm-hmm. that I take with me everywhere I go. Mm-hmm. And I'll write down all of this stuff. Kind of like, you know how you make a word cloud and you just try to figure out like what things relate to another mm-hmm. and like common themes. I'll write down everything and then I will bullet point it and send it into send it in an email to Todd. Hey, I need help with this. Or, it, you know, it could just be about organizing myself. Like, hey, remember this. And now back to organizing with like different platforms. I know the tools that are out there that already have the information. Mm-hmm. So once when I go into Express Docs and I look at the manuals about how to read a contract, I'll pick one so I don't feel overwhelmed with it the next time. Because sometimes it could be like, okay, great, I've got 95% there. And then the other 5% just derails the whole day. <laughs> yes. And it's like, yes. oh my God, or the whole moment. Yes. And it's really easy to get overwhelmed. Yeah. But if you just communicate and ask the people for help, and it might not even be the managing broker, it could be in my office, I'm lucky enough where everybody is willing to hold the other person's hand yeah. through something because they've been there too. It's about relationships, which is another thing that led me to Coldwell Banker Bain. It was about relationships. When you're working through all of these new things, clearly there are a lot of lessons to be learned. So what's kind of the biggest lesson that you've learned to date since you've gotten into real estate? What's the big thing that's like kind of knocked you upside the head? Not to look at things pessimistically, but always anticipate that there is something that you may not know or always anticipate that there could be something that you that needs to be taken care of of. Ask a question, even if you feel like in your gut, like listen to your instincts, like, hey, this is where we are in the process. What else am I not seeing? Mm. Sometimes the email will be just like that. Like, is there something that I don't see? Uh, Related to that is just not to expect that it's going to be totally smooth sailing. It's always nice when it is, but there could be something and it's always just feels really good to get in front of the problem before it comes a problem because not only does it (laughs) make you look like a total superstar, but you've really helped your client. They feel like they are really cared about. I am loving this right now because the last episode that we just published, the one before this was called Floppertunity. And one of the qualities of a Floppertunist is to always hope for the best and plan for the worst. Yes. And that's exactly what you're saying is that like you have to be an optimistic, like it's going to all be okay, but Mm -hmm. we are going to plan for every single thing that's going to go wrong on this problem. That's completely what Floppertunity is about. Mm -hmm. I mean, Amy, this is like literally we talked about last week, like word for word. Absolutely. Last week, we went and taught this class over at, at Cold Bank of Bain in Capitol Hill on biopsychology. James was in that class. I went to lunch afterwards with Todd, and we were talking about you. I hope your ears are burning. He was saying that one of your finest qualities is that you are so willing to learn from other people's mistakes. That like when you're looking for a home stager, you went and asked around, like, who do you guys like? And they're like, hey, we like Spade and Archer. Or if you're like, hey, I've got this thing that's going on with this escrow. What what should I do here? Oh, here's the experiences that I've had. You're willing to learn from other people's mistakes. There are so many folks that refuse to learn from other people's mistakes. They have to learn it the hard way every single time. And I think that's one of your your finest qualities. And that's that's what Todd Shively saw in you. So well done, sir. Thank you. (laughs) What do you think is going to be that thing that says like, I made it? When do you know like you're successful? Like, is there a, a point? Is there a number? Is there a time? Is there a something that says like, I'm successful? That's a really good question. Because I think about that often. Typically, when I will hit a goal, it's never like, let's go to dinner. I hit the goal. And I'm like, great, what's the next thing? It's literally just as simple as that. And it's not that I don't celebrate. But it's just that I don't want to what if I jinx myself on the next thing, and I don't make 
it. So what, <laughs> what, how, how am I going to accept that failure? For me, I think at this point, number one, when I feel like I've made it in real estate is when I feel like I am a resource for others about real estate related things. That's when I feel like I've made it. When I am hyperactive in Washington and Seattle King County Realtors, that is when I feel like I will made it. Because I feel like a lot of people put pressure of a number. You know, oh, I want to sell this much. Or, Mm -hmm. oh, I want to make this much. Part of that, um, I, 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 I feel like the customer experience is typically not involved in those numbers. It could be, but I feel like if I help the people, the right thing will come to me. Whether it be knowledge, income, or making the most for a seller, or getting the best deal for a buyer. If I know how to use every single tool in my toolbox, that's when I will feel like I have made it. I still feel like I have a lot to learn. But it sounds like you come in with this basic idea of customer service service work, that you want to serve the people that are your clients, and that Mm -hmm. That's really what makes you tick in this. That is the most important thing. I remember I had a client who came into their home after it was staged and ready to be put on the market. And they had a very emotional experience with it. Like they cried. That was the most important part. And yet, and it got sold and all of this stuff, but he was so terrified about it. And that the fact that he felt like he could trust me, that's where I feel like I succeeded. It's not like the amount of commission and stuff like that. It's not that like, it's really about helping somebody. So it's all about customer service. Having somebody have that vulnerability around you, that's that feels like they were could really like break down and cry and be like, that's it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be all right. I promise. I credit the beautiful staging. Honestly, I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> I can't even imagine who staged it. Speed and your staging. This is not a plug. Yes, it is. <laughs> In entrepreneurism, we have this thing called imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And And even after 12 years, I'm in three states. I've got multiple employees. We bring in a lot of money every year. We have a good reputation. Things are going great. And from the outside, I think that a lot of people look at me and would say, you are successful. And yet every single day, I feel like I come to work, I get paid to trick people into paying me that I (laughs) I get to move around furniture and people pay me to do it. And I feel like a total fake. And I look at other people who have like, quote unquote, real businesses where like, you know, they actually have like beautiful websites or they make robots move or things like that. And I think they have real businesses and my businesses pretend. And it's really hard to say like, hey, I've met A, B and C goals. I'm doing so much better than I did last year or I'm doing better than I was last week or I'm doing better than I was yesterday. And each day there's like a little tiny bit. We just changed the thing where we instead of spending 45 minutes doing morning meetings, we now spend 30 minutes doing morning meetings and we save 24 people 15 minutes every single day. And I'm like, we got a little bit better this week. And like, that's enough of a success to be like, I'm good with that. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really hard not to think of yourself as being a fraud because you're only a real estate agent because you said so. Like you took a test and you got a license, but like, sure. really, are you like, is that real? I'm not sure. And so it's mm-hmm. very easy to be like, you know, I'm just, I'm just a fake. I'm just a fraud. And I got to tell you, it doesn't matter if you're in your first year or your 25th year, that still happens. Tell me about your worst day in real estate so far. April 20th of this year. 
420. <laughs> it, it was it was <laughs> not that long ago. This is the same client that walked into their home and they were so emotional because of how beautiful it looked. They received an offer and we counter offered based on a technicality. You know, it wasn't any more money or anything like that. It was just we checked a box and the agent said, my client has just had a change of heart. They're going to walk away. Wind out of the sales. Like it was all of that imposter syndrome. Oh my gosh, I have mm-hmm. failed my client. All of that. And some backstory to this is that I worked really hard to get his home in like perfect, beautiful condition to make sure that it was something that somebody wanted to put an offer on. You know, we worked really hard on it. He had a bad experience with a previous company before, and I wanted to make sure he didn't experience anything like that this time. Of course, that was like the worst day. And so when I called the agent, I I asked like any feedback you can give me. I'm just curious, what was it? And they said, oh, well, they really just felt like they were in a little bit over their head. They wanted something with less space and Therefore, it would cost less for them. They just felt like they were in over their head. And I'm just thinking like, well, it was 420. Maybe they were smoking something. I don't know. (laughs) But it still, I felt like a a total failure. So I called my client and he was surprisingly just, he still had confidence in me. And I thought, why aren't you screaming at me? You know, like, why aren't you super upset? And he was not upset. And we got the home and contract in less than 48 hours after that because... But a tough 48 hours, man. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It was so... But that experience, I just just thought it really taught me a lot how the real estate ride can go. It can be a total roller coaster or it can be smooth sailing. You know, it could be somewhere in between. It was one of the worst days. I definitely felt like I failed. But I love that, James, in the end, you're, you were so much harder on yourself than your client was. You know, it sounds oh. like your client was just like, oh, OK, you know, that's a bummer, but whatever. And then moved on. I mean, I think that's so interesting for all of us when we sit in those really hard places to realize that most of the time, hopefully, if we're mm-hmm. working with folks that we have connection with, they're like, oh, okay, well, I still trust you. We'll move on from there. But that was definitely part of it. Mm -hmm. And Justin, you said a moment ago, people who've been doing this for 20 years or 10 months can still feel that way. That will happen. Mm -hmm. Like it could be a condo. It could be a massive estate. It could be anything. And you can have a potential buyer that simply just walks away. It can happen. In preparing a house to get ready for market, you did the floors, you painted, you took down the window coverings, you cleaned all the windows, you had a stage, you had a photograph, you listed it, you marketed it, you all these things. Mm-hmm. And having a deal fall through can make it feel like you're going back to square one. Yeah, like none of but that matters. You're actually not. All that stuff is still in place already. And so you're just getting a little tiny setback. And it's like, like you said, 48 hours later, Amy, before you even got into real estate, you and your wife have bought and sold lots and lots, lots of houses. How many transactions have you been through where there was no roller coaster, yeah. where there was no <laughs> emotional angst? Can you count them? Nope. <laughs> I mean, there's none. I mean, I, I mean, every, I guess every once in a while there is something that goes really smoothly. But I think for the most part, I think you go in knowing that there's always going to be something weird and unexpected. And, yeah. you know, whether it happens because there's like in a transaction right now where maybe there's a party line sewer and nobody knew it's not listed and like we're just having to do all this. So whether it's like the sewer or something weird with a name, I mean, there's just always a little something that pops up. <laughs> 
Right. It just turns into a scavenger hunt. And it's like, wait, what? It is, is a there? scavenger hunt. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. This is As where? a non-real estate agent, the party line sewer sounds like a lot of fun oh, to me. Great. I'm thinking that there's like, you know, telephones involved <laughs> and there's, you know, call waiting. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> can, you, can somebody explain to me what the hell a party line sewer is? What does that mean? Ideally, every home has its own sewer connection to the city sewer. And they used to do a lot of party lines where there would be multiple houses having sewer lines that connected together in various complex ways before they hit the city line. It is very complicated. It involves your neighbors. It involves if there's repairs that need to be done. So like if Mrs. Jones down the yeah. street flushes a cat down her toilet, it can back up in your house. You you might be getting outside of my plumbing scope here, Justin. <laughs> James, we'll maybe plumbing yes. is where I still need work. We'll just say you could be the uh, the owner of a new cat. Who knows? Yes. Could happen. yes. <laughs> Best case scenario, you get yeah. a new cat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so from terrible days with flushed cats, tell us about your absolute best day in real estate. And in all ten months, what, what, what was the day that you're months, like? Yes. Let me let me just dig deep. Uh, my best day in real estate was getting a condo under contract in the heart of Capitol Hill, and this was during a time, and I feel like we're inching out of it actually rather quickly. When Capitol Hill, for many reasons, didn't seem to be the place that people wanted to flock to, it seemed like the place that people wanted to flee from. Is this like summer of 2020? This is the beginning of 2021. Okay, so just to give some context here, we're in the middle of COVID. We are in the middle of Black Lives Matter protests. We have a police department that is occupied by squatters. Everybody is angry and everybody's mad and everybody is fleeing Capitol Hill Mm -hmm. at this point. Yes, and not only that, there's people that just want more space too. You know, a lot of people didn't want to flock into a condo because there are shared spaces, you Mm -hmm. know, and people were worried about COVID, of course, as most of us were and are. So I was nervous about it, but it was, we got it under contract in less than two weeks of being on the market. Also staged by Spade and Archer. Also. <laughs> oh, 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 I love that. It's <laughs> oh, so great. I love those guys. I love that your best and your worst day both involve Spade and Archer stages. <laughs> Yeah. Little do you know, this is a praise and burn session on here. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, it, it was, I, I was worried. Honestly, I thought, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I love the area. I love Capitol mm-hmm. Hill. I really do. I love all of Seattle. And I think that if that transfers through the listing, there are ways that you can tell people this place is wonderful. Mm-hmm. This place is your home. This is an, an amazing home for you. This was an amazing home for my seller. I feel like there are ways in marketing and planning for market to tell people in the best ways that this is a great place to live. And it's also about hyper-communication. It's about making it easy for other buyers, you know, about making it easy to see this place and telling them everything that they need to know without being totally in their face. So it's not only serving your seller, but it's also serving potential buyers. Everyone involved is important. So at this point in Capitol Hill, in the condo market, we're seeing things that are going for under asking and mm-hmm. they're languishing on market for months. Mm-hmm. And you got this thing listed and, and pending in how much time? In less than two weeks and over asking. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice work. It, it, within nice the last work. year, it's still the second highest per square foot sold. Wow. So I 
was very happy about that. So that was when I felt like, oh my gosh, I have arrived. (laughs) (laughs) Success. There it is. I love it because those moments, they come, don't they? And you have this moment where you're like, oh, here I am. And then the next moment you're like, oh my gosh, I'm awash in the fire hoses again. So it's just like the ups and downs. But I love you have to celebrate those moments, right? That success of like, oh, something went really right here. Yeah, 100%. And I've had other agents ask me like, how did you do that? I help. I do. Again, back to collaboration versus competition. I I do whatever I can for for others. James, what's the best place for folks to find you online? The best place to find me online is on my Coldwell Banker Bain site. You can also find me on Instagram. Uh, My handle is James Robert Campbell. I am currently building my website at homewithjames.com. At homewithjames.com. And maybe yes. by the time this thing publishes, it'll be up there. It'll be fantastic. James Campbell is a real estate agent with Coldwell Banker Bain in Capitol Hill in Seattle. He is absolutely fantastic. If you get a chance to do a transaction with him, I would highly recommend it. The guy is just lovely. James, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, Amy's going to so. show you back to the green room. I think some more TikTok stars have arrived at this point. I'm all warmed up and I'm ready to go. <laughs> James, right this way. <laughs> Thanks, Justin. Thanks, Amy. Oh, Amy, I'm back from the from the green room. I'm sorry I was back there for so long. They had a, a tinned fish buffet that was going on back there with the TikTokers. Like, apparently, tinned fish is very popular in restaurants right now. Who knew? Justin, I'm I'm not going to lie. I actually did start to get just a, a little bit worried. <laughs> and plus, you know, James is absolutely wonderful. So I can understand why you would want to hang back in the green room yeah. a little bit. What a great person. Awesome. By the time I left, he was actually starting to teach choreography to the TikTokers, which that guy is great. He brought up something that I think is really interesting is this idea of wanting to take a class on organization. Like, how do you organize Mm -hmm. your business? It's one of those things that like we have worked on for years and years and years. And there are certain things that I would love to point out that real estate agents rarely ever do that I would love if they did do. Can we talk about those? Yes. I don't care if anybody else is listening. I want to hear these. (laughs) Okay. So I noticed that when a real estate agent is working on multiple houses, like multiple projects, they will talk about multiple projects in the same email. So they'll talk about 1635 Northwest 5th and 9275 Broadway Avenue number seven in the same email, which means confusing, super confusing. You're like, wait, which one is what day are we? Uh, I don't know what's happening. And so what we will then do is we will copy and paste those into two separate emails. And the rule in our company is that every single email, the subject line has to be the address of the house dash what this email is about. So 6537 Northeast Rodney Avenue dash wow. D stage. And now we're going to talk about that thing. And so no matter what the real estate or our client agent sends to us, no matter what they send to us, we reply back with a one single address line, what the email about is and what we're talking about. And that's it. And like every single email is like that. And that's made it so much wow. easier. Here's here's what happens from that. Very simple, yeah. right? Now, if any time that a client writes to you and says, oh, I had a question about, you know, Fifth Avenue and I can't find that email, I can then go in and I can search my email box and be like, oh, here it is. And mm-hmm. just give it to them. They're like, how did you find that so fast? So I was like, well, you know, we always use these yeah. subject lines. <laughs> the subject line is our friend, my husband, Joe Reardon. He's the best. He's 64 years old. He's so cute. Every email he's ever sent in his entire life, the subject line is from Joe. I'm like, sweetheart, you know that when you send an email, it says <laughs> oh, your name Joe. on it. Yeah, Joe Reardon <laughs> has sent you an email that's from Joe. <laughs> 
which does make it a little bit more complex if you're like, hey, I want to find that email that Joe sent about chickens. Yeah, no, so cute. Love him to death. He's the best. Okay, I really like that. As someone who has spent some time trying to find an email chain or trying to go back and that just seems like, whoop, cuts that right out immediately. I will say that we recently just made the change to the Google Suite. The Google Suite is like calendars, emails, Drive is like their basically their file holdings is like your hard drive. It's held in the cloud and it's mm-hmm. all out there. I think most of it is free, super duper duper searchable. So like every time I'm looking for, we write a lot of templates. So do you have templates in your business? I'm definitely putting together. I submitted an offer last night and I have a I have an offer template that I yeah. use now. I'm gathering those sorts of things for myself. It just takes too much time to write that email. We have found that the rule in our business is that if you write the same email three times, create a template. <laughs> That's, yep. And we always do this thing where like anything that it's going to change, like if it's like, you know, dear Amy, this might go to dear Nicole next time. So Amy's name is now changed to dear client's name and it's in red. The rest of the email is in black. Otherwise, you are accidentally sending an email that says dear client's name. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And what I love about Google Drive, for us, we organize everything by street address. So like, doesn't matter who the client is, it's all by street address. And when somebody calls us up, they're like, well, you guys just changed my house next week. And the first thing we ask is, what's your address? And then we look it up by that. And what's cool about Google Drive is that it has this search bar. They're like, oh, well, we want to talk about the D stage that's happening at this address. We can type that in and any email, any drive, any calendar appointment, because they're all on Google, anything will pop up in the search function because we're all on Google. I spend a fair amount of time wrestling with technology in one way or another. As you know, if you call me and you listen to my 30 second trying to figure out what Bluetooth device is connecting and <laughs> just the, the fact that there's somebody out there who can make that happen. I am listening to an audiobook. I was listening to it from my watch the other day as I was on yeah. a walk and then I read a little bit on my Kindle yeah. and then I went to put it on yesterday and it was all synced up and I just had this moment of like amazing. Yeah, somebody is... <laughs> when it works, it works. Yeah. And, and the fact that all of those things can be brought together, like what a great organizational shortcut. Yeah. One of the things that we have found to be very useful is that since our teams are going out and driving to projects all of the time, and I know that real estate agents are driving to places all the time, when we set up an appointment, we use Google Calendar, of course. When we set up an appointment, we say like, D stage for Amy Romberg. And then there's a section in there that has the little location pin symbol. If you write the address in that little section right there, leave out any apartment numbers, but if you write the address in that line, when it's time to go to that appointment, you can click on that appointment and it will automatically open directions in your phone to where you're going. That one is huge. That has saved (laughs) us so much time going to the right place. Be careful. However, Google will make suggestions on what they think you're trying to type in as an address. And so if you're trying to type in 685 Northwest Martin Luther King Way South, it might put in 685 Northwest Martin Luther King Way East. It might suggest so just make sure that all your directional nomikers are correct yeah. in that because you will suddenly end up in the wrong quadrant of the city <laughs> because mm-hmm. it got put in wrong. That one's been huge yep. for us. That whole like getting directions going places has been gigantic. What other little like organizational tips have you had so far? I 
really like what James said. I think for those of us who kind of operated a mild level of overwhelm, which sounds like he and I do at different times in similar ways, just being new agents, traveling around with a notebook and having that notebook be something where I just sort of jot down anything that comes up during the day, any questions that I have, and then going back. What I find really useful is going back and like he was saying, putting that information into either sort of a larger, I have this funny, large real estate document that's just basically like from the very beginning, you know, what certain things mean. And then, I mean, it's just basically a place where I I dump everything that I learn. So taking some things from my notebook and putting them there and then following up on other things, like if there are questions. So I think always having something, a pen and a piece of paper. I take some notes on my phone, but I also find that the actual act of writing something down kind of sticks it in my brain in a different way. There's this program called Evernote that you can put onto like an iPad and you can actually write into it. Evernote will actually read your script and turn it into text, which you can then go to the search bar and then search for Like if you were like, oh, what was that conversation? is having about chrysanthemums last month and you can type in chrysanthemum and it will take you to where you wrote in Evernote about chrysanthemums, which I think is awesome. It's basically, it's like having an electronic tablet to write on. I think I need to up my game here in some of these things. I think at the beginning of my career, like I was saying to James, it's just like everything is coming in. So you're like, okay, I can focus on this little piece right here. (laughs) I can't think about all the technology. I can't think about Google Calendar, you know, thanks to you and Nicole for getting me there. I can't think about all these extra things I'm just like, but I'm slowly expanding that circle. So I slowly feel like it's like survival mode. I'm a little bit less in survival mode. So I have a little room to try and add some things that might make life easier yeah. in the long yeah. run. You know, we talk about at Spade and Archer, we talk about this dirt FT, do it right the first time. So we use that nomaker a lot. <laughs> yes. Dirt FT, dirt FT, dirt FT. The idea is that put the appointment in your calendar correctly the first time and it will save you so much time later on down the road. Take the yeah. notes correctly the first time and put it into a search documents because it will save you so much time later down the road. Do the subject line on your email right the first time. It will save you time down the road. Write the template because writing that email the 15th time because you were just like too busy to write the template. If you just remember like dirt FT, do it right the first time, like it saves Mm -hmm. us so much time down the road. There are parts of like my life, like you will notice that every time you see me, what color shirt am I wearing? White. (laughs) And it's because I only own white shirts. My closet is very odd. I have four pairs of blue jeans. I have 30 white dress shirts and 30 white t-shirts. I wear the same thing every single day because I make so many decisions during the course of the day that getting dressed is not one of them. You also look really good in a white shirt. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. (laughs) If I looked that good in a white shirt and blue jeans, I might just wear that all the time. But I mean, there has been (laughs) a concerted effort in my life to try to simplify things because I think as real estate agents or as business owners, our lives become crazy, ridiculous, complicated. And Albert Einstein, I'm not comparing myself to Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein was once (laughs) asked, what's your phone number? And he said, I have no idea. And they're like, you don't know your own phone number? He's like, why would I waste time memorizing something I can look up? Look it up on the phone, but you'll find it. Too many other things to think about. And so I try to think about that idea of like, what can I make simpler for myself? And then it reduces the sense of decision fatigue too. And also just general fatigue because you don't, it's just there. It's not something you do have to spend any brain power right. on. And when you are fatigued, yeah. trying to pick out an outfit in the morning is really Oof. hard. So yeah. hard. And you're yeah. like, I don't like this. <laughs> um, 
I have ended up in a lot of kind of rompery things this yeah. year. You put one thing on. It's pants and a shirt. Most of the time, I feel pretty pulled together. And I mean, I have some that are more kind of loungy and less and less business-like. But I definitely have some that I feel really put together in. Is that the thing where it's the shirt and the pants that are all connected in one thing? Yeah. The only thing that's tough yep. about it is that when you go use the restroom, oh my like, God. it's all around <laughs> it's your ankles. Worst. You guys got to make sure that the restroom floor <laughs> no, is not wet. Yeah. Yes. You hold it up. You make sure that... <laughs> There's a lot of challenge yep, You there. make sure that your sleeves are not <laughs> dripping on the bar floor. <laughs> Amy, what's the yeah. best place for folks to find you? I can be found at amyromberg.com. Amy is a real estate agent with Windermere in the Portland area. She's absolutely fantastic. Uh, James Campbell was our <laughs> guest today. You can find him on his Cobalt Banker Bain website. You can find us at spade-archer.com. Click on the podcast link. If you would like to tell your story, we would love to hear it. Um, I want to say thank you so much to all the folks who have reached out. Gosh, this podcast has been going strong now for like over almost two years. Nicole Durkin is our producer. Music is written, composed, and performed by Joff Metz. You can find him at fivestarguitars.com. He's actually in Nashville this week. He's accepting the award for the number one best guitar dealer in the world. He won like the number one, the best guitar dealer in the world from, from NAM, which is wow. the National Association of Music something like that yeah so congrats to him and uh, editor is Richie thank you so much for making us sound smart I appreciate you Richie you're the best I hope you're having a great time in Aruba this week and I think that's it Uh, we will see you guys next time Behind the Yard Sign this production of Behind the Yard Sign was brought to you live from the Spade and Archer Studios Spade and Archer Design Agency is the world's first guaranteed home stager